0: Welcome to the Planning Gathering Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Sullivan, a wedding coordinator, floral designer, and thrift-obsessed mama, too. I'm here to give you the truth about wedding planning, the real process, the real people behind them, and the the behind-the-scenes details you wish you knew about weddings. Hey there, I'm Emily. I believe that weddings tell a story and that planning one should not be complicated. Today, I want to talk to you about the reason you have a wedding, the ceremony. I rarely get to watch the ceremony of my couples. After I lead the ceremony processional, make sure all of their cues have happened and the ceremony is underway, I run off to line up the next stages of the wedding for the beginning of the reception. Then I make sure that my couples have a plate of appetizers and a drink at a quiet area to have 10 to 15 minutes alone right after the ceremony, the peak of the emotions for the day. I race back just in time to gather everyone who must be present for the license signing, get that done, and then make sure that no one follows my couple to their moment alone. I'm always moving, I am always in action, and I rarely get to witness the coolest part of it all. Of the ceremonies I have witnessed, I do have my favorites. I love the ones that are intentional, that tell their story, and the ones that are rich in rituals which have deep meaning to them, their family, culture, or religion. Those ceremonies have been the coolest by far. Their love for one another showed deep and true in their words and actions. My point is that the ceremony is important. It is literally the reason for the wedding. Everything else that happens during the wedding day is there to complement the ceremony. I repeat, the ceremony is important. So it blows my mind how many couples I've encountered that saved their ceremony planning for the last minute. Then it all started to make sense. I learned that they were using planning checklists they found online, which recommended planning the ceremony two to three months before the wedding after almost every other detail had been taken care of. Two to three months before the wedding is not when you want to be making decisions on what to include in your ceremony. You know what my couples tend to be feeling around two to three months out? Anxious. All of a sudden, the big moment was getting very near, and it was all very real. They had so much to finish before the wedding. Everyone is giving them advice and opinions, and they were about to pay all the final balances on their vendors at once. The last thing on their mind was how their ceremony was going to go. When I say plan your wedding ceremony, what comes to mind? Is it creating the script and writing your own vows? Well, if that's all that you can think of, I want to tell you now that there is more to a ceremony than the ceremony itself. And it is important to plan it ahead of time so that the logistics don't become a last-minute stressing point. I also think it's really important to create a ceremony draft in the beginning of planning, so that way you are remembering to keep the ceremony as the main focus of planning. When I'm hired for day of coordination, I find many of my couples not making the decision of their entrance into the ceremony, where their important guests will sit, or the music to include until often the week of their wedding. Even when I started giving out my version of a planning checklist, which encouraged having the ceremony planned way earlier in the game, The ceremony was often put off into the very last minute. Now, when I'm working with couples through all of planning or when a couple walks through the planning gathering course, they're going to complete a draft of their ceremony as one of the very first steps of planning, and I encourage you to do the same. Today, I wanted to share thoughts and ideas with you about what your wedding ceremony can look like, the logistical aspects of planning a wedding ceremony that you probably didn't think about, and some other tips and ideas. Just as I can't tell you what your wedding looks like, I can't tell you what your ceremony is going to consist of either. But my hope is that I can provide a solid outline and help you generate enough ideas that you can write a draft of your ceremony as you begin to plan your wedding. The point of the draft is to have fun and set the stage for the rest of wedding planning. Draft doesn't mean final. This probably isn't exactly what your officiant, friend, or family member marrying you is actually going to say. But it is going to encourage you to picture your wedding ceremony and commit to paper the idea of what it may look like for you on your wedding day. As you would with any other writing project, I encourage you to start with an outline. Feel free to grab some paper, pause and play as you and your future spouse listen together so you can write down all of your ideas. Yes, even the ones that seem silly. Whatever comes to mind and resonates with you as you're listening to the descriptions and ideas I'm going to share are worthy of being in your outline and in your draft. So the first part of your outline is going to be the setting. If you're following my lead and drafting up your ceremony vision before you dive deep into planning, you likely haven't thought about where you're going to get married. Or maybe you already have, or you've booked your venue. That's awesome, but don't skip this step. Think about where you'll be. Maybe at a church, surrounded by trees, next to the water, or in a backyard. Anywhere where you're legally allowed to be or pay to be, that can be your location. Describe it. Get detailed. Imagine what it looks like around you and then use this list later down the road when you're looking for your ideal location. Think about who you'll be around not only the guests that you'll invite, but who will be standing just behind and center of you two, making this marriage thing official. There are many options and so much flexibility of who can officiate a marriage ceremony. You can consider any friend or family member of adult age. You could hire a professional officiant or celebrant who will walk you through planning your wedding ceremony outline and script. You can talk to a church official or a pastor and have them officiate inside and sometimes outside of the church. Who do you imagine is the person you'd like to preside over your ceremony and make the thing real? Of course, also think about who else is there to witness. I could talk to you in a whole separate episode, and I probably will, about who to invite to your wedding. But there's one point right now that I want to bring up and drive home. If you aren't sure about whether to invite someone to your wedding or not, or maybe you simply need to cut the guest list, think about this. If you were eloping or getting married without the pomp and circumstance of a big wedding celebration, and this one person you can't decide about is the only person there to witness, would you be comfortable with them witnessing this intimate moment? Yes, it is a little bit different when there's a crowd there. However, I believe this perspective should be taken with every guest that you choose to put on your guest list. Your marriage ceremony is a big freaking deal. It's intimate, passion-filled, and let's be real, intimidating. If you have to pick whether someone should be there or not, for whatever reason, and you would not feel comfortable with them being the only guest in the audience, I suggest that you don't invite them. Don't hesitate to make choices that will help you feel comfortable and like your wedding is your own. Now, the typical first speaking part of the wedding is the welcome and intention. Weddings typically begin by the officiant welcoming the guests to your wedding and an explanation of your marriage ceremony. Your guests may have traveled far, and it's likely that for whatever reason, some are not with you. Share your gratitude for your presence and the reason why you invited this particular crowd to witness what's about to take place. Think of a welcome as an opportunity to define what your wedding ceremony is for you. What does it mean to you to be getting married? What defines marriage to you? Set the intention for your wedding ceremony, whatever it looks like to you. The welcome and intention typically follows with a story. Often the story told is one of your relationship, how you knew this was your person, how you became engaged, about that one time that you went on an adventure and got totally lost, but it was great because you were together. Tell your story, and I encourage you to make it a fun, laugh at yourself story. You might be pretty tense and nervous to be in front of a crowd and about to declare your commitment to your spouse. Bring in a laugh because it's hard to be nervous when you're smiling. I've seen professional officiants have each partner share a, their own secret story that the professional officiant turns into their version of a combined story. It's really fun to see this happen in action because the couple usually doesn't have a clue what the other shared. You could use this as a date night conversation topic and take notes as you tell stories to each other. Tell each other stories of your perspective of significant moments in your relationship. Maybe share your favorite story. Share the I knew I loved you win story. Write down the key pieces and use them for inspiration for your perfect wedding story. Readings, poems, and prayers often also make the perfect story. Now this is the point where typically your vows are gonna come in. If deciding on your vows for one another is making you feel a little uneasy, you're not alone. It's pretty common for couples to write their own vows because the traditional wedding ceremony vows are a little, um, outdated. They simply don't fit what's common in relationships today. That doesn't mean that you're without a guide or options, but first let's talk about what a vow is. A vow is a promise or a commitment. In your ceremony, it's your time to make promises to love, cherish, and accept the good and the bad of your love. It can be long, wordy, and tear-inducing, or it can be short, sweet, and full of laughs. From in sickness and in health to I promise to try to get my dirty clothes into the hamper most days. Couples have promised many things to their lovers. Your vows are going to be unique and special to you, whatever they are comprised of. I highly recommend taking some time to Google other wedding couples' ceremonies or scripts. There are a ton out there, and when my couples are stuck and I've got a good idea of what they're aiming for, I Google and send them specific samples. For your draft, borrow some ideas that you find. Test them out and see what rings true. It is totally okay to be serious or silly or whatever it is that is you. Now, this next part is the most important part because it is typically the only part that is legally required in your ceremony, the Declaration of Intent. And this might actually require some research. In fact, I suggest you do research it. Each state has different laws of, the, of what consists of a legal wedding ceremony. And the Declaration of Intent to marry is where the main focus of those laws will be. The declaration of intent is you saying that you are willingly and intentionally entering into a legal partnership with the other. You know, the do you accept this person to be your lawfully wedded spouse, I do, I do part. What's cool is that sometimes and within reason you can change the wording to be whatever you want it to be as long as it says loud and clear that you are a willing participant in the union. And then after that comes the rituals. So after all of the hard parts are over is typically when they take place. Again, and I know I repeat this a lot, but what you include is entirely up to you. Typically in a wedding, you see the exchange of the rings. And FYI, you don't need rings to be married either. But there are a ton of other options and things I've seen couples do. Sand ceremonies, unity candles, hand fasting, exchanging of gifts, watering or planting of a tree. Sugar ceremony, which is one of my personal favorites to watch. Throwing paint onto a canvas. Pouring whiskey into a barrel to age and sip on at each anniversary. The possibilities of what your ritual could be are endless. Or just don't have a ritual ceremony. It isn't required. The only part of your entire ceremony that is actually required is that declaration of intent and any clerical steps your state requires. And then after that, sometimes there's a reading or prayer, whatever you want to include, but it's followed by the pronouncement of marriage. And this is the fun part. You did the things and now you're married. Well, nearly, please don't forget the paperwork or it's not legal. Now you get to be announced as whatever titles you deem fit. Mr. and Mrs. Mrs. and Mrs. Mr. and Mr. Your full names, whatever you choose, communicate that to people bold and proud at the conclusion of your ceremony. And that's your ceremony outline. Add and delete wherever you feel works for you as you draft and redraft. I encourage you to keep it in front of your planning documents, however you're organizing them, and return to it when you're feeling overwhelmed or off course while planning. Because remember, the ceremony is the important part of your wedding. The ceremony script is not the only thing to plan around your ceremony. The logistics of the timing of your ceremony, seating guests, music, and the walk-in and walk-out are also necessary to plan ahead. Honestly, I think I'm really boring when I'm talking about logistics, but I hope that my concise summary of the steps that I take to coordinate the logistics of a ceremony will provide you with an outline to fill in the blanks and make it your own too. Now once you get your logistics all out on paper, you're going to see that it seems a little simple. And it is, but it also is important to have someone play the role of director for the processional, and you'll definitely want someone to run music if you're using Timing yours and the wedding party entrance into the ceremony is a lot easier than you may think. And here are the exact steps and tables that I use to organize the wedding party entrance and exit from the ceremony. I always start by going on a site visit to the venue, especially if it's one that I've never been to before. and. At that sidewalk I figure out exactly where the processional is going to line up, the people who are walking in as the part of the grand entrance into the ceremony. I find the spot where they're out of sight of the guests, but I could be standing somewhere where I can see the processional line up and the guests in the ceremony aisle. I measure with a stopwatch how long it takes to walk at a moderate pace from the starting point to the ceremony stage. I also measure how long it takes to walk from the very back of the aisle to the ceremony stage. I measure how wide the ceremony seating area is to determine how many chairs can fit on either side. I also ask the venue owner what the best layout is for the specific guest count if it's a more fixed space. And I take photos of the locations to reference in the ceremony plans later. To know how many chairs are needed for the ceremony, I just subtract the couple and their wedding party from the overall guest count. I'll round up for symmetry if needed, but otherwise I don't add any additional chairs. Empty spaces show up in the photos, and if you collect your guest count well, then you'll have plenty of seats. I typically will see a couple use an entire row and just a ribbon or a sign that just says reserved. The, just the whole row is reserved. And you may or may not believe me, but family? and those important people who you want to sit in those reserved seats don't always realize that they're supposed to sit in those reserved seats. So my suggestion is creating an actual seating assignment chart and assigning each of your significant relatives or important people to those seats in the front rows. You can be detailed with the stationery you place on the seat or you can simply print their name typed on a word document on cardstock and then attach it with blue painters tape which is what I do when my couples need help organizing this on short notice. It works well and it provides clear direction and white paper will blend nicely into the typical white chairs. Now here's a tip for you that I learned from some other wedding professionals that has been a little life-changing. Have your important people sit on the opposite side of the aisle as you're standing on the stage. If they sit on the same side you're standing, they'll have a great view of the back of the side. Sitting opposite, they'll get a clear view of your face, and they'll appreciate that, even if some grumble that it isn't tradition. Now, I use those time measurements that I took from the sidewalk to organize the ceremony processional. I space out each grouping enough that they are not in the aisle between the chairs at the same time. So say my aisle was 25 seconds to walk from the back to the ceremony stage, I would make sure that there was 25 seconds in between each pair or group of people that I released from the processional. Now, this is all really hard to explain logistics over just voice without actually showing you the documents and the templates and the layouts that I use. So I did create these, and I have them for you on my website for free. So if you go to www.prudenceandsage.com ceremony, you can find those, my 10 steps to planning your wedding ceremony, and all of these templates that I've talked about, the layout for the seating chart, and the processional and recessional templates. In my ceremony processional and recessional templates, I have four columns. I use the order, uh, which is literally just a line of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, whatever. The time on my stopwatch that they that next grouping is going to go. The cue, so who's going or which songs are starting, and then any notes that I need to remember on the day of. I keep it simple so that it's easy to read and I could pass off the paper to almost anyone and they would be able to release the ceremony processional in the right order at the right time. Now for the recessional, unless you want it to be precise, it doesn't need to be as formally timed out and your wedding party can be more flexible and relaxed. It's difficult to be involved in queuing the wedding party at this point in the ceremony because there's a lot of commotion. So planning this to be more relaxed while providing easy and clear directions works best. Here's how I time recessionals that has always worked. The easiest way to provide direction to your wedding party about when to exit behind you is to have them leave in the reverse order that they walked out. Most likely, they'll be exiting from the closest to the center outwards. Their cue to head back up the aisle is when the group in front of them has hit the last row of chairs. I do still suggest that you create a template for this as well, simply so that you can do the math and know how much time to expect so you can plan your songs to match properly. And that's it. Those are the logistics. And like I said, I don't know how to explain a lot of my tables and templates to you without a visual. So I have made those templates and I have created a visual for you and you can get that on prudenceandsage.com ceremony. So I hope that that's really helpful for you. And I would love your feedback to find out what steps that you took and what you ended up using as part of your ceremony plans. Now a personal note here, but for the love of the earth, please don't throw rice or plastic confetti at the end of your ceremony. Rice is not great for birds to ingest, and plastic, just no, don't. If you do need a toss of some sort for a tradition or because it's actually pretty fun, pick something biodegradable like hole-punched dry leaves or dried flowers. Ask your venue first because no matter what, it may mean a damage deposit deduction to toss anything. Birdseed is definitely a no. It's a great idea and concept, but in reality, venue owners don't want to clean up bird crap off the ceremony space or chairs between the weddings, or pull the weeds that grow with the seeds left uneaten. So back on track a little bit, but one of the biggest things that couples tend to Put off to the wayside as well with their ceremony is the ceremony rehearsal. Now the rehearsal of the ceremony itself typically takes me 15 minutes or less but it is the most important to walk through and plan it especially if you have a precise timing that you want to hit. Have your wedding party get together at the venue or off the venue and measure out a space if you need to off-site and practice walking through the ceremony. Explain to them first exactly where they're going to stand on the ceremony stage and then show them where to line up. Have them line up, grab the stopwatch or your phone stopwatch and practice releasing everybody in order. If you're not having a day of coordinator, whoever is your person in charge of the ceremony should be present to help walk through and and practice releasing the wedding party. And now a note on rehearsals, it's also a great spot to help your wedding party or those who are involved in helping you set up, clean up, and just in general run your wedding. See the venue space and understand the requirements of the venue the best venues that I have worked with will sit down and and the venue manager, the owner will explain the rules and the expectations of the wedding. And the wedding party is typically the people who are going to know the most amount of guests. And they're going to be the ones who are going to talk to the guests. If they see somebody doing something wrong, they're going to be helping with the responsibilities at the end of the night usually. So this is a great opportunity to introduce them to those responsibilities. Now, while I'm still rarely going to get to watch the ceremony of my couples, and I'll probably definitely not see yours, I still want you to remember, and I still believe, that the ceremony is the most important part of the day. Everything else that happens is complementary to the wedding ceremony. So keep it in the forefront of planning. Make it a priority. Make it something that you plan from the beginning and return to for. Your marriage ceremony is important, so don't let it wait until the last minute. Don't be the couple who is trying to figure out what their processional order is going to be on their rehearsal. Show up with a plan and it'll go smooth and quick. I really hope that you guys find this helpful and I would love to hear your feedback. It's a little nerve-wracking to share my insights and my perspectives on weddings and, and just wedding industry in general and not know what the response is going to be. So at the end of it, all I want is to be helping at least one couple have a better wedding experience. So if you're that one couple, I would love to hear from you. And I really hope that you find the planning gathering podcast useful. Now I do want to mention before I forget that the planning gathering isn't just a podcast. We've also got a wedding planning course that's gonna walk you through step-by-step exactly how to plan your wedding the way that I would, where we're cutting the fluff, getting down to the the definition of what your perfect wedding looks like and helping you walk step-by-step through planning it and giving you all the logistical tips, insights, and templates that you need in order to actually have plans that are easily executable. And then we have a community. It's still small and it's going to grow, but we have a Facebook group right now that is kind of a forum for us all to talk about planning through the planning gathering or just in general talk about our challenges with wedding planning and the Prudence and Sage coordinator team will be on there answering questions and providing insights as well. And that you can find by searching for the planning gathering community on Facebook. Now, the planning gathering course right now, there is the foundation section available for free until October 31st. And come November 1st, registration is officially open for you to begin the planning gathering course and starting to plan your wedding from beginning to end in the right way without the distractions of everyone else's expectations and in a way that's going to make your experience so much better. Now I believe that weddings tell a story and that planning one shouldn't be complicated and that is why I'm here sharing with So thank you for being here and thank you for listening and I will talk to you next week.